0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Last night, my son Joshua was, uh, he was, he was in the bathtub, and he was getting ready to get out, and, and so it was my job to, to go in and, and get him out. So I walked in and he said, uh, or I said, it's time to get out of the bath, Joshua. He said, it's time to get out of the bath, Joshua. And I said, go ahead and get up. And he said, go ahead and get up. And I said, are you copying me? And he said, are you copying me? And I said, I need a spanking. And he said, I need a spanking. Uh, My point with that is uh, a son likes to imitate his father. Um, A son wants to be like his father and do what his father does. This is uh, Father's Day, and uh, I didn't uh, plan any kind of special um, Father's Day sermon, but it fits right along because one of the motivations that that Jesus here gives us uh, in this passage, he, he He tells us we are to love our enemies, which is an impossible thing to do. But the motivation is so that we might be sons of our Father who is in heaven. Um, We want to be like Him. We want to be like our Father. So let's go ahead and read from uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We thank you that you have spoken to us. Lord, that we have not been left in the dark, feeling around for a way. Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us in your word and through your Son. Father, we pray that you would be with me tonight. We are called to be perfect. And I'm far from that. I'm a wretched sinner, a need of your grace. Lord, I pray that you would uh, strengthen me, help me to speak with boldness from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. Continues what he has been doing through the last several passages we've looked at. How he begins: "You have heard that it was said, but I say to you." And he repeats this. He talks about murder. You've heard that it was said, "You shall not murder," but I say to you, "You shall not." You know, have you ever hated your brother in your heart? Have you ever um, you've gotten angry with someone or called someone a fool? Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus cuts out any room that any of us would have for um, self-righteousness. And he, he says, have you ever looked at a woman with lustful intent? And then He, he talked about vows. He said, uh, you've heard that it was said, you shall, you shall not make a vow falsely about honesty, about keeping the commandment not to lie. And Jesus tells us not even to to make any kind of a vow, but to just let our yes be a yes and our no to be a no. Jesus continues this same pattern and He says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This comes from a, at least three different passages in, uh, in the first five books of of the Bible. I think it's found in Leviticus, and in Deuteronomy, I'm not sure. I looked them up, but I don't remember which, which other one it's in. This is uh, known as the Lex Talionis. Um, it means the law of the tooth in Latin. And it, um, it's basically a law about retaliation. It's, it's uh, limiting. You see, a lot of the ancient cultures, they, they didn't have the kind of value on life that Israel had. And so um, whenever someone would kill maybe a slave, um, they, they could have a punishment that did not fit the crime. Maybe we're, we're, if someone were to kill a slave, it would uh, only cost them a fine, whereas if they killed another another person that wasn't a slave, they may have to die for that. Or, or there was... Um, it was... It just didn't have the same kind of balance. And when, when Jesus, when the Lord gave the law, He said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth to show that a punishment needs to fit the crime. You, you couldn't go beyond, you couldn't be excessive in a punishment. You couldn't kill someone just because they stole something or punched someone. You couldn't kill them for that. So it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, limiting that, which is a good thing. Of course, uh, Jesus here, He takes that and He says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. That sounds strange to us. Don't resist the one who is evil? I mean, I thought we were supposed to resist evil. Um, Think about, who is He talking about here? I don't think he's talking about the devil. In James, we're told to resist the devil and he will flee from us. In 1 Peter, Peter tells us that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and we are to resist him firm in our faith. But I think Jesus here is talking about someone who wants to do us harm. Someone who wants to hurt us, to to. Retaliate against us, and Jesus here tells us not to resist that one, not to try to seek revenge, not to try uh, to to stand up for our rights. But instead, Jesus tells us, in the next line, he says, "But if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also." So we're not to retaliate when someone harms us, we're not to try to seek revenge. I don't think Jesus is telling us to to put ourselves in harm's way. Um, But His point here is just not to seek out our own rights, not to seek out our own vindication. God will be the judge. He will um, be the one who brings vengeance. Then Jesus says, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. The Old Testament law, uh, they had restrictions so that you couldn't take everything a person had. If you sued a person, they had some rights to be able to retain clothing and things to keep warm at night. Um, But Jesus here, he says, if someone wants to sue you, if someone wants to take you to court and take what you have, not only to give what the law requires, the inner garment, the tunic, let them have your cloak as well. Let them take everything you have. Don't stand up for your rights, as Jesus' point. But just let them have what they desire. seems like an impossible thing to do. Jesus is calling us to do things that are impossible. Then he says, And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Of course, the Roman soldiers in that time, they could conscript someone as they were coming along. If they had a pack to carry, uh, they could require whoever they were coming along and, and say, Carry my pack. And they were required by law to be able to take it up to one mile, but they couldn't force them any longer than that. Well, Jesus here says, if you're in that position, if the government comes and requires you to do this task, to walk one mile with a soldier, He says, walk with them too. It's kind of radical. Who would do such a thing? Why would anyone do that? You're being forced... Okay, uh, a soldier comes along and forces you to walk with them one mile, and what do you do? You walk with them two. It has quite a testimony to it. What does it say about who we worship? When that person asks, when that soldier asks, "Why are you doing this? Why are you walking? You only had to. You, don't you know you only had to walk one with me?" And we can answer. None of us will probably find ourselves in this, but we can answer if we were in those shoes. Because Jesus has done so much for me. Because Jesus has changed me. Then he says, Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, we do have to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, And there are often situations where someone comes and and they want something, and we have to be wise. We can't um, give indiscriminately. Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes a person uh, may want something that will eventually harm them. Uh, I used to work in a homeless shelter. And um, there was a guy He seemed like a really good guy. Um, He seemed like he was a really helpful person that would would do just anything there at the shelter that uh, we wanted him to do. And he came to me one time and he said, well, oh, i got this guy and I owe him ten bucks and if I, if I don't give it to him, he's going to beat me up. And, and uh, against my better judgment, I, I gave him ten dollars. And I think that was the last night he was in the shelter as a resident there because he slid off the wagon and went out and got I don't know what. Um, sometimes when we give, we can harm somebody. I know um, in India, uh, I traveled there um, on a mission trip many years ago now. seems like half my life ago. And um, we were told there not to give to beggars because sometimes the parents uh, would actually do things to harm their children, to do uh, unimaginable things to their children, so that when they grow, they have these deformities that would cause them to be more um, appealing to give to. They they would be more. They would bring about more compassion from Westerners that would come and visit. When you give to that situation, it just encourages more of that behavior. Well, I'm getting away from what Jesus's point is. Jesus says, "Give to the one who begs from you, and refuse uh, and, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you." I don't know that he has those situations in mind. But when we know someone with a legitimate need, we should be generous. We should uh, maybe not give cash assistance to give someone money, but go take someone out to lunch. They look If they're hungry, uh, meet some need that way. And ultimately, when it comes to those things, you have to use wisdom. But our disposition should be to want to obey what Jesus says. To be able to to be generous and to give to those who ask us. Jesus then returns to his pattern. And as he was saying, you have heard that it was said, and I say to you, he, he says here in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the first part of that, we recognize. It was... It was in the passage that Amy read from Leviticus chapter 19. It was in verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the easy part, right? And, and you can search the Old Testament and you won't find the other half of what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The Old Testament doesn't say to hate your enemy. I think what Jesus was probably quoting was the sentiment of the day, the way, the way people treated that, maybe the implications they saw. Well, if you're supposed to love your neighbor, then what do you do with your enemy? Well, I guess you must hate them. That kind of an idea. But Jesus says, no, you're not to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus calls us to impossible things, doesn't He? He calls us to things that we cannot do on our own apart from the Spirit of God living in us. He says to love your enemies. What is an enemy? You know, Jesus was asked, just before He gave the story of the... um, um, The Good Samaritan, who's my neighbor? And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan to show our neighbor is whoever is has need. Whether it's a Samaritan or another Jew, someone of a different race. Here, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Who's an enemy? What is an enemy? By this definition, should we even have enemies? I mean, if we're supposed to love everyone, should we have anybody that we call an enemy? Well, the word enemy there, it's, I know from the Old Testament sense, the, the Old Testament word for enemy is, um, is a, someone who hates. So an enemy is someone who hates you. Not someone you hate, but someone who hates you. So the people who hate us, the people who insult us, who cast rocks at us, those are the kinds of people that Jesus is here telling us we are to love. That doesn't come natural. We don't naturally want to, to love those who hate us, who mistreat us, who speak false things against us. But Jesus says to love our enemies. And then He tells us why. Verse 45, this is what we've already talked about. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is not here telling us that the way we become sons of the Father is by loving our enemies. No, because He says, so that you may be sons of your father. I don't want to throw away that word there. He's saying that you may be sons of your father. We already, if we are believers, if we are disciples of Jesus, we are children of God. We are sons of the father who is in heaven. And because of the relationship that already exists Then we love our neighbor and it manifests itself. It shows we get to imitate our father like Josh was imitating me. Except maybe a little bit more serious. It explains it a little bit more. How does God love His enemies? How does God love those who hate Him? He says, For He makes... His sun to rise on the evil and on the good. It doesn't matter if we're good or bad, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. The sun will come up, the sun will bring its light, it will bring energy. uh, The plants will photosynthesize, and, and we'll have food to eat because the sun comes up for both the good and the bad. He is so gracious. To all of us, whether we are children of His, whether we're believers, whether we're unbelievers, whether we hate Him, or whether we worship Him, and He makes the sun He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust. About a week ago, we could say we need some rain, right? Things were beginning to curl. Um, we had a, a apple tree out in our backyard, and it was just beginning to look very withered. And, uh, and we got a little bit of rain, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. It's been a, been a good week. Not, not flooding us too badly, but sending some refreshing rain. God sends those blessings on both the good and the bad, both the just and the unjust. And in that way, God loves us all. He provides good things, good blessings, even on those who hate Him. And so we are to do the same for those who hate us, those who are our enemies. We are to love our neighbor, love our enemy, just as our Father in heaven loves those who hate Him. In verse 45, no, verse 46, print's kind of small here, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? The natural man, the one who's not a believer, they can be good to their friends, to their family, be good to those who like them, They'll gain something in return. But who loves their enemies? Jesus is calling us to do what is not natural. The natural thing, if someone hates us, well, stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. But Jesus calls us to love them, to do good to them. What can bring about... That kind of love. It doesn't come naturally. It comes from the Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling within the believer. We can't do it on our own. And Jesus ends this chapter, He ends this passage by saying, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I've read. You can translate that word "mature." See, it seems like it kind of loses some of the force, doesn't it? You be mature, just as your heavenly Father is mature. It just loses something, doesn't it? Well, we can kind of minimize it and say, "Well, we, we need to be mature." Well, how is that like our heavenly Father is? No, our heavenly Father is perfect. So how do we understand that? Jesus here throughout this whole passage, as we were looking at murder, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit murder, but have you ever been angry? And he's exposing how we are not perfect. Jesus says, Have you you know you've heard it said, You shall not commit adultery? Have you ever looked at a woman with lustful intent? He's exposing how we are not perfect, how we all fall short of the glory of God. And he says here, therefore, you must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let that sink in for a little bit. Think about this He's God. What else could he call us to? It, it wouldn't be good enough to say be pretty good just like your heavenly Father is pretty good right it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right to say that God calls us to be not that bad but no, God is perfect. He can call his children to be nothing less than perfect yet we all fall short which was his point through the whole passage we can't keep the law on our own but there was one who did did the one who spoke these words jesus who preached the sermon on the mount was perfect He was sinless. He was the sinless Lamb of God who took away our sins. He was the one who, while he was being crucified on a cross, the last things that he said, one of the last things he said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What an example of someone who loved their enemies. We are called to be perfect. We can't be perfect, but Jesus was perfect. And when we believe on Him, when we put all of our hope in Him, then God looks at us as new creatures who are born again by the Spirit. He looks at us and He sees His Son. He sees the righteousness of Jesus In us, imputed to us. It is not our actual righteousness that we have somehow earned by being a good person, but it is what's called an imputed righteousness. It's counted to us. Jesus said that unless our righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We're all out of luck. (laughs) Except for Jesus. Because He gives us His righteousness. We trust in His righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Another song, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. He calls us to perfection, to be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect. And the only way that we can be counted perfect is by trusting in the One who died for us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at Redeemer Baptist Panama dot wordpress dot com or you can like us on facebook